This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Right. So, I hope everybody had a very, very meaningful Tishabov. And we're going to talk a little bit about Tishabov, the connection between Tishabov and the Shabbat that's coming up, which is Shabbat Nachamu. Right? Okay. Before we get to that, um, there's another subject I'd like to talk about for a minute. So. So, oh, you have it? Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Okay, so, I heard a very interesting story this week that I'd like to share with you. Some of you might have heard it. I don't know. But, it's like this. We know that the destruction of the base on Dutch, we spoke a lot about it on Tisha B'Av, and there were Chopatz Chaim um, videos on it, and we've been talking about it a lot for years, was that the, the first base on Dutch was destroyed because of the three Averos, and that destruction was only for 70 years. And the second base of Midrash, which is still destroyed, was because of Sinas Chinam. I'm sure a lot of you learned the story of Kamtza by Kamtza. The, the wrong guy showed up, he got the invitation, and um, the, the owner of the one who was making the party wanted to throw him out. And he said, I'll pay for his meal, don't throw me out. And he said, nope. He said, I'll pay for half of everyone's meal here in this party. And he said, nope. He said, I'll pay for the whole party, just don't embarrass me. And he said, no. And uh, the Chachamim were sitting there, they didn't, they didn't do anything. And then the whole thing, he, he went to the, to, the, to the emperor, and they made a mum on the carbon. There was somebody called Rabbi Zechariah. He made a mistake. He should have allowed the carbon because of Pekuach Nefesh. But he was scared what everybody else would say. Um, everybody else would make the mistake. Which happened to be a very interesting thing that I heard. Um, it's, it's a... It's, it's an interesting thing. If you look at the story, so when they, when, when they brought the, the animal to them to bring on them as Bayak, it had a mum. It was a very, it was a mum in a place that uh, not everybody saw, but there was a mum, and, and they, they didn't know if they should bring it on them as Bayak or not. Now, this was coming from the king. Now, the king's sending a sacrifice, and you're not putting it on them as Bayak. That's what happened. He came down and destroyed Kalaisro. So they went to this rabbi, Rabbi Zechariah, and Zechariah said, if you're gonna bring this carbon with a mum on them as Bayak, so everybody, is going to think that you're allowed to bring a mum on the Mizbeach. Right? Very nice. So, therefore, we don't want the rest of the Kleistrol to make the mistake. They're going to see this animal with a mum, and they're going to say, oh, there's a new rule. You're allowed to, a mum is a blemish. So, you know, a, a blemish. So, I'm sorry I didn't explain that. Right. A mum is a blemish. The ear's cut off. There's like certain cuts in certain areas. Those are called a mum, a blemish. And, um, and therefore, as the said, that uh, Christ was, the Jews are going to make a mistake. They're going to say, you're allowed to bring a mum on his back. And that's what took down the whole Jewish nation. He came back, this this, this Barkamtza, Kamtza Barkamtza, and he told the Roman emperor, you see, the Jews don't want your sacrifices, they don't want to have any part of you. And then he said, and, 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 and they're against you, and they're rebelling. And he came down and he destroyed everybody. Now, let's look, look at this story for a minute. Look at the paradox. Zechariah was worried... Rabbi Zechariah was worried what everybody would say. And the Avera that they did was that they didn't worry what this one person who was going to be insulted in public, how he feels. So the mistake that Zechariah, he made a mistake, the rabbi, he passed it wrong. The mistake he made was because the Avera that we did was, we weren't worried about somebody's feeling. Now, all of a sudden, Shemayim said, oh, now, Rabbi, now you're worried 
what all the Jews are going to feel, what they're going to say. Where were you guys when this guy got insulted? When this guy got hurt? So you're going to pass and you're going to have the wrong Ruch HaKadosh. You're going to pass in the wrong Halacha. You're going, to, you're going to pass in the wrong Halacha, which is going to take all the Jews down. You're worried about a mom. Listen, boys, it's very important. You're worried about a mom on an animal? What about a mom on a human being that you're making? When you hurt somebody, when you insult somebody, when you say mighty Shemra about somebody, you say something that isn't true, or if you say something that is true, it's very interesting. Every time I teach Hilchus Lashonara, right? So the girls say to me, but it's true! I said it was, what I said was true! Hello, Lashonara is true, guys. Let's get this straight in the camera. Lashonara is when you say something true, bad about someone else. Mighty Shemra is when you say something that isn't true about someone else. So then you're saying Lashon Hara, plus you're making up a lie. So that's even worse. And Rechilas is when I tell you what he told me about you, which causes the two of you to fight. So, listen to the, what happened here. So, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent the wrong answer to Reb Zechariah, because you're worried what everybody's going to say about a blemish on an animal, while you guys are making a blemish on a person. This poor guy got thrown out down the front steps. And he was willing to pay for the whole thing. And that was the destruction. That's the Shabbat. That's why we sat on the floor and we cried and we fasted. And that's why Nebuch was still sitting in Gullis. And there's cancer and there's problems in Shalom Bayez. And there's people who are having a problem having children. And the Parnassah is getting very hard. And the whole, the whole thing is going down. Why? Because we weren't sensitive to somebody else's feelings. So there's an amazing story that's been going around for the last few months about Rav Chaim Kainesky and Eretz Yisrael. That there was a couple, it's an amazing story, there was a couple who came to him and they didn't have children for, I believe, 20 years. So they were in their 40s. And they were despondent, they were beyond themselves. And they came to Rav Chaim. Rav Chaim always, you know, gives you a bracha, tzlachem bracha. You know, that's usually the bracha you get. On Slach and bracha, you get two words. But from Rav Chaim, those two words. And I once said to Rav Chaim, could the, could the Rav, like, give me, like, a bigger bracha? And, and he said to me, Hatzlach and bracha covers everything. You know, what do you need more than that? So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not arguing. So, so they came to him, they said, listen, we don't have children for 20 years. And we know if the Rav gives a haftacha or a bracha, that it's going to come true. We, we need, give us a bracha to have at least one child. And Rav Chaim said, I can't, I can't help you. Which is unusual for him. I can't help you. <laughs> so they were devastated. So they said, so, so, so you're telling us that we're never going to have children? He says, I'll tell you what you should do. He says, find a person who's insulted in public. Who got insulted in public and never answered back. Because a person who gets insulted in public... And doesn't answer back. It says he's kind of a He's kind of you kind of in a second. Number one, and number two, a person who's marvel midos, if he's able to to control his midos, right? That he he's on such a high level that he should give you a bracha. So find someone that's going to get that's insulted in public and doesn't say anything. Now, of course, you can't go around. You know, hey, you insult him, and then you give me the bracha. That's not that's, that. You know, that that that, that doesn't that doesn't. What, that's not what Rav Chaim was saying over here. Okay, that's the story. By the way, there's a famous story of Chavetz Chaim. I always teach this in my, in my the first day I teach uh, Chavetz Chaim in, in a lesson uh, uh, a day. So um, there's a, fa- a true story with the Chavetz Chaim that 
he used to go speak in some shul. I don't know. He used to go speak in places, and and he came to some shul and he spoke. And the president of the shul didn't like what the Chafetz Chaim said at all. So at the end of the shmuz, he got up and he he made fun of the Chafetz Chaim in public, which is. <laughs> You've got to be out of your mind. But of course, when you have a tzaddik, you don't know what he is. And Chavetz Chaim is much bigger today than he was when he was living. He was very big when he was living, but we didn't know what he had. Just like Ramesha Feinstein, you know, um, Ramesha Feinstein, Ramesha Feinstein, everybody shakes when you say Ramesha Feinstein, right? He had a little yeshiva, he had a yeshiva on the east side. How many, how many people in my dar, right? We grew up with Ramesha Feinstein. I never went to one of his shiurim. I never went to, to the east side to hear Ramesha Feinstein give a shir. I never went to one of his shmuzin. Because when we, we, another Rosh Hashiva, you don't realize what you have, like everything else in life, until you don't have it anymore. So, now after Chavetz Chaim walked in, there'd still be some presidents maybe that, 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 uh, in the wrong places, but, but Lemaisa, he embarrassed the Chavetz Chaim huge in front of everybody. Okay. I believe that it was on a Thursday night, he gave the shit. Friday, the, 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 someone comes to deliver something to this president. And he says, uh, how can I help you? And he says, I'm a messenger from the Chafetz Chaim. So Yitaka felt a little bad what he did, whatever. So he says, how can I help you? He says, the Chafetz Chaim said I should give this to you. And he gave him a silver cup. Small, banged up, a little shtickle, you know, but a silver cup. The man said, the Chafetz Chaim sent this for me? He said, yes. Gets into his, gets into his wagon. He's got, ah, I insult the Chafetz Chaim. And then he sends me a, he sends me a silver cup. So, okay. He comes to the Chafetz Chaim. And he says to the Chafetz Chaim, Rabbi, I, I don't understand. Why would you send me a present after I embarrassed you in public? This is what the Chafetz Chaim said. The Chafetz Chaim, Chaim said, a person doesn't know if he's going to get Elam Haver or not. You give Shiurim, maybe you like, uh, maybe there's a little bit like, you know, the guys say thank you, or they call you up afterwards, you get a good email, wow, what a Shir. You know, so you feel good. So that, that wipes out a lot of your Shir, you know, because... If you don't do it, L'Shem Shemayim, 100%, the Malachim in the next world, whatever you do, they like to rip it up to pieces. Right? So, it's very hard to do something. You know, Mamish, whole, 100%, you know, L'Shem Shemayim. So, Chavot Chaim said, Mishnah Brura, I'm writing. Hilchas Lashon Hara, I'm writing. Torah, I'm learning. But I don't know what they're going to do in Shemayim to all my Mishnah Brura and my Taira and everything. Maybe they'll say the Chofetz Chaim had a little covered. He says, but until I met you, he said, you, you gave me the ticket to Gan Eden. You embarrassed me in front of the whole shul and I didn't answer you. And it says that a person who's embarrassed in front of everybody and doesn't answer Go straight to Ganadin. He says, I apologize. Chavetz Chaim said to this president, I apologize that I'm a very poor man. And I mamish sold every little piece of furniture that I had left to buy you this cup. But if I had more money, I would, I, I don't know how to repay you. You got me, not the Mishabura got me to Elam Hava, not the Chavetz Chaim, Shmir Taloshin got me to Elam Hava. You insulted me. You got me to Elam Hava. I love you. I, I, this is all I have for you. You can imagine how that man felt. You understand? But, a person who gets embarrassed in public and doesn't answer. So, whatever, I got myself into some situation lately, whatever it is, I'm not going to get into it. But, uh, I felt a little hurt, whatever, whatever it was. So I went to my Rav. And I said to him, ah, I'm, I'm a human, I'm a little bit hurt about the situation. So this is what he tells my Rav, Rabbi Weinfeld, he says to me, listen to me. He says, it says by Pinchas, it's on the same tune, but Pinchas ben Elizabeth ben Aaron 
So it says Heshev Eschamasi, and I gave and Hashem Pichazel Yahu, right? Hashem gave him the bris of, of shalom, of peace, which is also shalom, full. So it says that when Pinchas killed Zimri, so the whole Shevet Shimon got up and said, who do you think you are, right? Pinchas ben Allah ben Arachoyen, who do you think you are to kill a Nasi, right? You come from a father, right, who was Paiti, Eliezer married one of the other daughters of, of, um, of um, Allah Zarqayim married one of the daughters of, of, of Yisrael, where they said, your grandfather or your father was the one who, and Rashi brings it down, who stuffed the animals to make them fat for Avodah Zarah. They mamish, embarrassed Pinchas in public to try to kill him. They embarrassed him. They said, you're from Potiel. You're, you're from nowhere. How dare you kill a Nasi? So why do you need to have that embarrassment? So Ralph said, Brisi Sholem was that after, when Pinchas killed him, so he could have felt like, you know, I'm a Kanoi, like I'm a, huh? I uh, stood up for God. So Hashem made sure that Shevet Shimon would publicly, totally decapitate him, totally embarrass him, start talking about where he comes from and who do you think you are. And that way, that when Hashem would reward him, Pinchas was very embarrassed, it says. He put his head down. He was very embarrassed. Mamish, mamish embarrassed him. And because he was embarrassed, he had absolutely, he got nothing out of the deed that he did. Not only did he get a thank you, right? He got it over the head so that he would get a complete payment, which, which is Pinchas Zelio. He became Elio Novi. So, boys, when you get embarrassed, right, by people, instead of, I know it's a very hard thing to do, but instead of getting angry, right, you should say thank you. Because if you embarrass me in public and I don't answer, that's my, that's my, my, my way into, um, into Ganadin. I spoke about this a long time ago. Some of us, and I'm not talking about anyone specifically here, have a problem with Kas. And there's many Sifre Musr that talk about Kas. Kas is anger. A lot of guys go from zero to 60 in less than 4.2. <laughs> you understand? You tell them something they don't like. As long as you tell them what they like, you know, and, and it's, they get, they get very upset. You know, they blame it on Kohanim. I don't know where that came from. I don't know where that came from. Kohanim, you know, it says there's three things about Kohanim in the Gemara. It says that we have bad stomachs. Um, it says that we have hot feet because, uh, and it says that we like to eat meat. And they used to have a doctor in the base of Minish all the time because the client, all he did all day is eat meat. Yeah, that's what we ate. We ate meat. Roasted lamb, roasted, that's all we did was eat meat. So our stomachs, you know, there was no milchiks. You know, like, okay, we'll go for milk for breakfast in the Beit HaMikdash. There was no pizza, and there was no scrambled eggs, and there was, you know, there was none of this. There wasn't even salad. It was, it was meat, and meat, and meat, and meat, and a little bit lechem upon him, a little starch, you know, a little, it was, it was like, you know, not totally protein. You know, you had a little lechem upon him, which was very filling, but lemaisa, so the Gemara says that the Kohanim used to eat meat and meat, and the Taka had bad stomachs from it. The Taka had bad stomachs, you keep eating roasted meat, and that their feet were always very hot, because the floor was stone, so it was very cold. So Kohen, uh, in my family, before anyone gets near the table, the shoes are off already. Your feet are hot. Kohanim's feet are hot. That's, you know, it's one of the things to protect us from cold floors. And my father, in the nine days, totally suffered. He had, and I also, I mean, I happen to be lactose intolerant, but, but we don't like milchiks at all. We have no interest in eating, you know, dairy at all. My father, Shalom, just, he was very into the halacha. So the halacha is, that if you eat malava malka, 
a whole year fleshics. Like every night, every month of Shabbos, you sit down and you eat chicken or meat, eat fleshics. Then in the nine days, Matze Shabbos, in the nine days, you're allowed to eat fleshics from Lava Malcha. So my father ate, yeah, he ate every single Matze Shabbos fleshics. And when everybody was eating milkies because it's Matze Shabbos, he would sit down and say, oh, if you would have eaten fleshics a whole year, Matze Shabbos, you would be able to eat fleshics with me. That's not halacha. There's no, don't ask. Trust me, I'm, I'm not making it up. That's not halacha. So, I think the halacha, you can take on your chumrah, whatever chumrah you want to take, take on But that's what my father did, and I'm sure that if we look it up, we'll find out that if you had fleshics, all the time you're allowed to have fleshics. Anyway. I know a lot of guys that um, eat milkshakes and they're not kahanim and they get very angry. So, uh, it's, so, uh, so where does this whole thing come about kahanim being angry? Where does it come from? So, it's the opposite of our nature. Our nature, the Mishnah says, that the Tamidim of Aaron Akayin, the children of Aaron, and the students of Aaron Akayin, who is his, and his students, and, and our DNA is, Oyev Shalom, Oyev Shalom. You don't get angry. You love to make peace. Everything's peace, peace, peace. You know, everything's peace. So, where does this come from? So, where it comes from is that the Kahanim were very on edge about two things. When they were in the Beis Hamidish on their Mishmar, when they were working, if you thought in your mind, if a Kayan was working, and he thought for a second how the Yankees are doing, right? The carbon's puzzled. If he thought the carbon was a Kutche column, right? A Holy of Holy, and it was a Kutche, a Holy a Kutche column, and it was a Kutche Kedoshim, the carbon was no good. His mind had to be focused completely on what he was doing. He couldn't spill the blood. He had to be perfect. So they were very uptight and nervous, especially on Yom Kippur, but every time they did it, because here you're bringing me your animal. It wasn't Stam, you know, a $5 piece of steak. You're bringing me an animal of carbon. If I have a wrong thought, your carbon is no good. I ruined your carbon. Hundreds, two hundred, three hundred dollars maybe the only animal you have. Who knows what? And it may be a common shlavim where your whole family's getting fed from it. So I'm your shlich. So they were very nervous when they were doing the avoda because the avoda had to be perfect. And the other thing that they were very uptight about was tumor. Was tumor was becoming tummy because if I have two weeks to work in the base on Mignash, right? And you're tummy or someone's tummy touches me, and you know, and there's seven days, there's one day, depending on what the tummy is. They were very nervous not to become tummy. My father would say it's in the DNA of a Kayan not to go to a Levi or to Beis HaKvost. That, that a Kayan, his, his neshama should be scared to become Tomei. A Kayan is a, a little bit different. So, from that uptightness of these two things, people began to say that, oh, Kahanam are uptight, Kahanam are angry, Kahanam are Kayan was not, was Vayidam Aaron. Vayidam Aaron. In the worst situation, he sat there quietly. He sat there quietly. So, you know, I know a lot. Of, so, so it's not. I'm not going to get into kain and not kain. The, the bottom line is that cast, that anger, the very terrible thing in a family where the father is a kaisin, where the father is angry, and there's yira in the house that says that house is not going to work out. The kids are not going to grow up correctly. The wife is scared. Everybody is scared. This guy has a short fuse. You know, you're, they talk about you like you're a piece of dynamite. You know, he has a short fuse and he's going to explode. So, cast anger is something. That a person has to work in. Now, you can go to anger management, right? And you can sit in front of a therapist. And I never went to anger management. And I think they tell you to count to 100 backwards and forwards and count sheep and count that. Well, let me tell you something. When a guy's angry, 
sheeps a hen, sheeps a hare. You ain't counting sheeps, and you're not counting to a hundred. Unless you're counting how many times you're punching that person. But otherwise, you're not counting to a hundred. So, so, it's a very hard thing to overcome. Anger is a very hard thing to overcome. And it's brought down in all the Swam that anger is a vaydizara. It's a vaydizara. Because you're, when you get angry at someone, you're totally, you're not serving Hashem. If you're serving Hashem, you can't get angry at somebody. So I'd like to help you guys out tonight. I don't know who has anger problems, who doesn't. But I'll tell you a little bit something that a Rebbe saved my life. And it's not my subject matter. I'm totally off my subject. But this is what's meant to be. So somebody must be angry in this room. So he has to hear this. So, so listen carefully. I was a hockey player. And I was a basketball player. And I was an athlete. And I played to win. My coach said, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose. It's supposed to be how, it's how you play the game. He would say, it's whether you win. That was my coach. You understand? That's how I grew up. So you had to win. And I had a short fuse. I had the most penalty minutes on my team in hockey. Right? Um, a guy once in the base medrash, and I'll tell you all my secrets, but a guy in the base medrash in yeshiva in, in, I must have been in 11th, 12th grade, said something to me that he shouldn't have said, and I punched him one in the face in the base medrash, and I just lost it. Now maybe it's because I'm a client, I don't know. I had a temper problem. I did. And my Rebbe saw that this Wallstein kid, you know, you look at him the wrong way. You say the wrong thing. He thinks he's on, he thinks he's on the ice all the time. You know, drop the stick and hit the guy. You know, that's what he thinks. So, so my Rebbe started to talk to me about anger, and how do you get rid of anger? It's very nice. It's wrong, and count to ten. But Lamaisa, that blood goes running up your neck. You know, and yeah, 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 yeah. How do you get rid of it? So he taught me something amazing, and Baruch Hashem, from that day on, from that day on, Baruch Hashem, I didn't hit anybody, I didn't yell at anybody. And it taught me a whole new thing, and it saved me many, many times. Anger is an emotion. It's an emotion. An emotion, you have to do something with it. An emotion, you cannot just put it in your, you know, in a closet somewhere, in your, in your, in your heart or somewhere. You have to do something with emotions. So, we, so my Rebbe said to me, a bad emotion, it's an emotion. You hate somebody. You hate something, Right? It's a bad emotion, unless you're hating the, the bad things, right? So you need to take that hate and turn it into love. You mean, as a Rebbe, if, you t- if, if, you know, if you're talking to a kid and he says, so what? Who cares? What's that famous word this generation has? Whatever. Whatever. Oh, I love that word. <laughs> you, 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 you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 minutes you're talking to the kid, he's like, yeah, so whatever. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, what a word. That word, whatever, is like, Throwing, throwing you out the window. Like, you just don't mean anything, right? So, when you have, so, so, so when you have, when you have a kid who says whatever, don't waste your time teaching him. Cause there's nothing there. When you have a kid that hates you, I just told someone the story of my first, my first talking to a girl at risk, which happened seven years ago on a Tisha of night. The whole Ornava, the whole, the whole thing started. Seven years ago on a Tisha B'Av night, don't ask me um, why it happened on a Tisha B'Av night, but I was asked to speak, um, and I spoke, and then I was asked to go to Judith Place. Judith Place was a place on Quentin, where they had um, kids after doing uh, drug rehab. So um, there were a bunch of girls there, and a bunch of guys there, and they said, they, they called them in, it's a Jewish place, they weren't all religious, whatever, and they called them in and they said, we're going to have a guest speaker at 12 o'clock midnight. Midnight, and they told me to go speak. I knew nothing about kids on drugs. I never saw a tongue ring before in my life. 
I never saw kids with tattoos. I mean, I dealt with kids that weren't religious, but I didn't deal with this stuff, right? And um, and I, I, it started that long, long time ago. And I walked in there. Talk about anger. There's a lot of anger in that room. They didn't like rabbis because they all went through the street. These were kids that were went through a lot of abuse, not from the rabbis, but went through a lot of abuse after jumping out of school. And the last person at 12 o'clock midnight they wanted to meet is a rabbi. So these silly guys told them, Rabbi Wallerstein was coming. I said, just tell him Wallerstein, Zach, I don't know, use a nickname. He's coming to talk to you guys. Why would you tell them rabbi? So before I walked in there, right, all the blades were out already. You know, the blades were out. It was like, are we going to carve them this way, like a turkey or like a duck or like a chicken? How are we going to carve them? But they were all ready to carve me when I walked in there. And talk about anger. There was a lot of anger in that room. And I was just telling someone about it today. And, you know, I walked in there and I saw this and there was this 14 and a half year old girl and she was really angry. She had whatever reason, not reason. And she was going to take the rabbi down in front of everybody so that this, this lesson that the rabbi is going to give is not going to last more than 30 seconds. So there was a challenge. I walked in and it was a challenge. A 14 and a half year old girl, tongue rings, ear rings, nose rings. There was rings coming out of her forehead. Uh, hello? You know what I mean? It was like, it was like, whoa. I walked in, I was like, whoa, like, who got me into this? You know, I never did this before. And she gets up, and she looks me in the face, and now everybody's sitting out there, they're like, okay, let's see what happens here. And this anger comes out of her. Mama, she's like, the blood was coming out of her eyes, and she says, I'm not sure I'm going to use the words, right? She goes, blank you, Rabbi, not like that, screaming at me, and blank Judaism, and blank God. Now, in my whole life, my whole life, I never heard such a thing. I'm a Rebbe for a long time, and, ah, like, you know, uh, well, what do you answer? So this person's angry. And I'm like, Hashem, help me now, please. You know, <laughs> I didn't have a Bluetooth, but I was hoping you'd like, like, what am I going to do? All the kids are watching, like, okay, Rabbi, now what are you going to say, right? So I looked at her, and Hashem sent me the most beautiful message. I said, what's your name? She told me her name. I said, I want to thank you. You're the most wonderful person. What you have just done for me is amazing. <laughs> what are you on, Rabbi? <laughs> this is this is post, you know. This is you're supposed to be. This is a, after we have like, like. What are you talking about? I'm like, I really want to thank you. What you just did for me is amazing. She goes, Okay, spit it out. What? I said, I want you to know that I was coming here and I was fidgeting, and I was like, these kids don't believe in God, right? That's they got a big chip on their shoulder. I'm gonna come here now. And for the next four hours, five hours, i got to figure out how am I going to prove to them that there's a Hashem. They've been hurt. Right? And I'm like, and you did it for me. Now everyone's like leaning forward like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you got up and you cursed. You said, blank me, which you're looking at me. Right? The blank Jews. And you said, blank God. If God didn't exist, you wouldn't have said that. You didn't say, blank the Martians. Blank the guys from Jupiter. He said, blank God. That means you believe in God. You saved me four hours. I don't have to prove it. Okay, let's sit down. I'm going to tell you a bunch of stories. And the, the whole fire, the whole fire they were waiting to take my head off, dropped. And here you have this 14 and a half year old girl, right? Tattooed, with all these rings coming out all over the place, right? If, I would have had a, if there would have been a magnet in the room, forget it. She would have been on the ceiling. Like and... and and she turns around to all these kids that are in the back, and she goes, cool. 
This guy, cool. And we sat there that night. It was Tisha B'Av night seven years ago. I sat till four o'clock in the morning. And I told them all the stories. And this girl, Baruch Hashem, is in Eretz Yisrael, in Yeshiva, looking for Shaduchim. She has no tattoos on. She had three tattoos. They spent, her parents spent a lot of money. They were, she, first degree burns to take these tattoos off. A lot of suffering. I said, you know, it's a lot of suffering, but better now in this world than in the next world. Tongue rings are, the tongue rings, I want you to know. So, so this was, for me, this was like, it was like amazing that Hashem gave me that. And, and it was just the right words to say. And from that became Ornava. From that became, this Chabura became much stronger. From that, I began to deal with kids on the street. Uh, my whole, my whole life changed on a Tisha of night. And I always say like, you know, Tisha of night's the biggest night for me. It sounds weird, but you know, maybe that's what it says. Mashiach comes on Tisha B'Av. So things happen on Tisha B'Av, whatever it is. But I want to tell you, so we invited her for Shabbos and we started to be Makarva. We started to be Makarva. But she wouldn't take those tongue rings out. Because that was her identity. That was, every person has their identity. She had no identity. She was in the street. So, you know, it's one thing if you have a family and you have a family name and you can bounce off your parents. So you have identity. You have, uh, normal friends and a normal, you know, you have identity. But when you have nobody, what's your identity? What identifies you? So these tongue rings identified her. You know, and I told her, like, I can't believe how do you, how do you drink? cold drinks, you know, that thing gets cold, and then you're in, and how you drink hot drinks, you know, your tongue's burning for like four hours after you have a coffee, like, you know, and I tried it, and, and infections, and she wouldn't take it out, she would not take it out, Simchas Taira, so this was Tisha B'Av hat, right, that I went to that place, the same year, Simchas Taira, she came to shul, we brought it to shul, she was in my house, whatever it is, and Simchas Taira at night, I'll never forget it like today, but I want to show you what I'm talking about with cows. So this was a girl who was, whoa, she wanted to rip my head off when I walked in there, right? Simple we finished the, the hakafis. She turns to me, she goes, she calls me Rebbe. She goes, Rebbe? I'm like, you got what? She goes, close your eyes and put your hand down. I'm like, nope. <laughs> she goes, no, just trust me. Put your hand down and close your eyes. And she dropped, she had two tongue rings. She dropped them both in my hands. And those two tongue rings are in my talus bag. As I told her that when you give them up, I will put them on my talus back to remember that from Tisha B'Av, it's not a long time, from Tisha B'Av to Simchas Torah, how a person could say blank you, Rabbi, blank Judaism, blank God, and she's, and, you, and after Simchas Torah, you're taking out your own, your identity. Once you take out that filthy identity, now you're ready to be, to, to identify with a Baruch. And today she's in Eretz Yisrael, and she's learning, and there's no tattoos, and that whole cost was turned on. Now, how come I didn't react and say, like, goodbye? I come into a room at 12 o'clock at night, I'm giving up my time. This little twerp, 14 and a half old girl, opens her mouth to me like this. Have a nice life. So I want to tell you what my Rebbe did for me, and this is for everyone in marriage, with your kids, at work. Listen carefully, because, because you've got to do something with your anger. So what my Rebbe taught me to do is that when somebody comes over to you and makes fun of you or embarrasses you so or screaming and yelling in your face such nasty things like she was yelling at me with blood coming out of their eyes instead of getting angry at them feel pity for them look at this human being she's out of control she has so much anger she has so much hatred such a beautiful being has no life, just angry at the whole world. I should be angry at them? 
I should go home and cry on the floor and say to Hillel for them, give me your Hebrew name. I almost got killed, by the way. I did that once. I almost got killed. A guy in Shul, in Landau's, right? He had, his, he had a cell phone on, and he was talking on his cell phone. And this old man who sits next to him was always in Landau's, said to this young punk, right? We're davening. Could you please go outside if you want to talk on your phone? And he just totally ignored this old man. Totally. He wasn't there. And he said, please, I'm asking you to go with your cell phone. And like, everybody in Shul is getting, you know, all aggravated, whatever it is. So I, of course, am standing there. And I'm like, excuse me. He's davening. You're on your cell phone. The man's asking you, just go outside with your cell phone. I don't know this guy at all. He looks at me and says, oh, everybody stop davening. With the new chakras. Right? Oh, everybody stop davening. Rabbi Wallenstein is here. Mamish made fun of me, like, the great rabbi said I should walk out with my cell phone. Mamish making chayzik of me. I'm like, now, now at, at 20 years old, his head is through the window. There's no way I would have taken that. No way. I would have taken him out in five seconds. What are you talking about? What are you crazy? You're, you're doing something wrong and you're making, he's making chayzik of me in front of everybody. So, uh, all right, I'm human, right? I had to, like, count to five. Um, <laughs> and I took a deep breath, and I turned to him. I almost got my head chopped off. I turned to him, and I said, you are very sick. And sick people need to heal him. Could you give me exactly what I did? I said, could you give me your name and your mother's name? Oh, oh, wow. He put his phone down. I said... You know what? Just give it to the guy by Misha Berach. So I, I, I don't really need it. But now this man, this old man, Nebuch, was having a heart attack. He was, he was seething. Now this guy left after davening, and the old man was sitting, Mama was sitting on his chair. He was beyond himself. I walked over and I said, listen to me. I said, Baruch Hashem, you can come to Hashem, and you can daven, and you have a connection, and you love Hashem, and Hashem loves you, and Baruch Hashem, you have old age. This is beautiful. Nebuch, look at this guy. He comes to shul. He's not connected. He has no feelings. He doesn't know what it means to treat an older person with respect. Nebuch, he's on this world, and he's totally disconnected. I said, instead of being angry, we need to for him. He's sick. He needs a refor shalema. Now, this old man, I, I don't think he ever heard that before, because this is what my Rebbe taught me. And he looked at me, and he's an old wise man. He said, you're right. Nebuch. Nebuch on him. He's, no connect, he's not connected. You know what? We need to daven on him. Maybe we should get his name. I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to get his name. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going there. But it's amazing because I've used it since then, and it mamish works. Even if your parents are yelling at you, they're out of control for some reason, and you don't deserve to get it, and they're screaming and yelling at you, right? It's your parents. And it's like, you know, you have a child, I love you, and you're screaming at me. You don't tell them this, you think this. Never that my parents for the last 20 years don't enjoy life. All they do is scream at each other. And scream at me. Could you imagine? Two people, they're my parents, and for 20 years, they're yelling at each other. So instead of getting angry, start doubting to Hashem that I love them and, and, and that they shouldn't yell at each other and they should have a life. So no matter who embarrasses you, especially if they embarrass you in public, never call them. That they, they don't have the feeling. So, so my reaction to this girl when she said that, instead of getting angry at her, I said, never call this kid. She's 14 and a half year old. My daughter is going to school. She's going to camp. She has piano lessons. And this kid has more, more metal on her, you know, than, than an atom bar. I don't know. She's got so much metal. It's like, forget about it. So instead of getting angry at her, I pity her. 
And I'm telling you something. If every guy in this room does that, your whole life will change. Now, what happens is that people think you're becoming a Bulg- they think you're a Balgaiva. I'm screaming at you, and you're like, I'll down them for you. You know, now that can get them pretty annoyed. You don't have to tell them I'm going to down them for you, but you really should feel inside, I need to down them. And if you think that's being a big shot, being a Balgaiva, like, you're screaming at me, right? So if they're screaming at you, is that you did something wrong, then straighten it out. Don't just say, I have pity on this guy. Look, his face is red, his eyes are bulging. You know, never this poor person. But if you don't deserve it, right? So just be macabre it like the Chafetz Chaim. Just, just be macabre it. And say, this person is totally out of control. And I feel very bad for them. And, and not to get angry at anyone, even at work. You know, you see, you have a boss, the guy is totally out of control. He's, he's smoking, he's nervous, he's making a lot of money, has no time for his wife, no time for his kids, he's yelling at all his employees, and you're like, here's a human being on this world who can enjoy the people that he lives with, enjoy the people that are working for him. Instead, he's nasty, he has a miserable day, he's angry at everybody. Nebuch. Rahman is on him. Let me get his name and dominate for him. Change your whole life. Do not try this with your wife. <laughs> if she's yelling at you, don't tell her, I'll daven for you. <laughs> Please, that does not work. That causes the situation to get much worse. Okay? So you may daven for her in your heart and think about it and say to yourself, oh my goodness, instead of getting angry and yelling back at her, my wife that I love, that I married, that I went out with, that's very special to me, is right now crying and screaming and angry. So I feel very bad for her that there's a woman in my house that I'm married to that is so beyond herself. And that woman happens to be my wife. And I feel very bad for her. So I'm taking that anger instead of yelling back at her. I am feeling bad for her. You'll have a different life. I thank my Rebbe publicly. He changed my life. Lee Einhardt, I want to give myself an eye because every time I say this, I get into a fight with somebody. So, so I don't want to give myself an Einhardt, but Lamaise it saved my life. Because since then, Baruch Hashem, I've had a different life. So take your anger, because you're going to get, I'm not going to tell you, you're not going to get angry. You are. But the minute it starts to well up, look at that person, look at that situation, and feel bad for them. And if your father and mother are yelling at you, it's a terrible thing that my father and mother should feel so, be so angry and be so upset and be screaming and be so nervous. I have to daven for them. Besides asking Mechil. It's an amazing thing. It works. It really, really works. So anyway. Mechilah for what? For the guys I punched? I got Mechilah. I asked them. I got them stitches and then I got what? You have to ask them Mechilah. You should. You should. It's happened to me in Yeshiva. It happened to me in Yeshiva. Once I embarrassed a kid in, in, in Minyan and the next day I asked him Mechilah in the Minyan. Absolutely. Yeah, even if you're allowed to do it, and this is a story I told you a long time ago, you're not allowed to do it. I was like the big detective in my yeshiva, and I could get, I could take any kid that did something wrong and make him tell the truth. That was my thing. And I got old, you know, so I didn't do it that much anymore. And last year, a kid stole some stuff in yeshiva, whatever it is, and they couldn't get him to admit it. They could not, he would not admit it. And I knew that he stole it. I knew that he stole it. There was no question. I mean, I'm already a long time. You look at a kid's face. When he gets all white and he doesn't look at you, you know when a guy's lying. I knew that he stole it, and he wouldn't admit it. And it was two hundred and fifty dollars. And we and and the people, the kid he stole it from, the parents were going absolutely crazy. You don't find that money in there. So I called him into the office, and the principal was there, and there was one other person there. And I said, "Did you take the money from this boy's knapsack?" No. 
I promise. I'll promise I'm going to say for Torah, which I know we'll never take them to. Right? I said, you sure you didn't take it? He goes, Mayor Wallstein, I didn't. Like this, I didn't take it. I said, okay, okay. You took it! Boom, he jumped up. I took it! I said, where is it? He brought it. Bring it in here right now. He brought it in. <laughs> guy jumped 40 feet out of, off the floor. I felt like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't lose my touch. Right? They couldn't get the money. Boom! Guy, the kid was never green. Right? Okay. I walked out. I did my job. The next morning, I went to shul. And I don't have the safe. I wish I had it. Um, from the Benish Chai. And I walked to shul, and Ezra Max, who I, I, I deal with a lot, he helps me in Arnava, comes up to me and says, you're not going to believe it, I was at a wedding last night, nothing to, at, at a wedding last night, and somebody came over to me and showed me, this from the, from the Benish Chai, showed me, I, I read it here a few years ago, showed me what, a story with the Benish, that the Benish Chai brings down in, in his Mephorish, on, on what, uh, totally out of the, not, not a, a safer that, that the, the, the Benish Chai would bring down the story, and he brings down the story of a Ganef, that was caught by a rov. And he talked about the Ganef. And it was a shlok cutters, right? And, and, and the rov caught him. And the rov got him to admit it. And later on, and he embarrassed him. When the rov got him to admit it, he embarrassed him. But he got the money back. And it was a lot of money. Silver, jewels, a whole... He stole, stole a whole bunch of stuff. And he, and, he, and he caught him, and he caught him. And later on, the same rov who caught him, who embarrassed him, was traveling to Eretz And this guy went totally off the derech, because he got embarrassed. And he ended up working for the government, I think the Arabs, right? And he was a customs official. And this Rav was coming to Eretz throw. And this guy who was, was a Ghana and embarrassed, and he gave up the money, recognized that he was a kid when this whole thing happened, recognized the Rav. And when the Rav came, he said, you can't come into Israel, I'm a customs agent and that. We have to take you to a separate room. He took him to a separate room. The Rav didn't, Rav didn't recognize the guy. Took him to a second room, and he brings down the story. The, the Benish Chai brings down the story. This guy took out his sword. You know, in those customs agents, those days, the Arab had this big skimmer, you know, the big sword. And he told, he said, Rabbi, put, get on your knees. And he pulled his head back, like you do it to a chicken. He pulled his head back, took the sword, put it by his, put it by his neck. He said, now I'm going to cut your head off. And the Rabbi looked up at this tax collector, or whatever, a customs agent, and said, I don't know you, why? He said, because I'm the one that you embarrassed when you caught me stealing. And then he took the knife and he, and he let him go. And he said to him, I'm, I, I did this. I'm, he does what he said to me. He says, I did this to you. Of, of course, I was, the, I was the robber. You, you know, you, you did the right thing. He said, but I know that you're a great rabbi and you do a lot of good. And I know that you're going to burn in Gehenna for embarrassing me. So I had to make this do this to you to make you so scared because he thought he was going to die that it should be machaper it should forgive you for what you did to me now this story from the Benish Chai was brought to me out of the blue the day after I scared that kid out of his out of his guts and I said to myself thank you Hashem I went back to Yeshiva listen to this it's not, not a joke I went back to Yeshiva I called in the two people that were in the room with me I called in the boy I said I am sorry that I scared you yesterday. I am sorry that I embarrassed you. I am asking you, Mechila. 
And the boy looked up. He's so scared of me. Anyway, he's going to give me a mechila, right? And the kid looked up and he said, Wallstein, I'm Michael you. Okay? I was very happy. I called my Rebbe. Rebbe Gamliel. I told him the story. I said, Baruch Hashem, I'm so, Hashem's close. He sent me the message the next day. He says to me, how old was the boy? I said, 10. He said, you won't be Michael until he's about mitzvah. <laughs> when he's about mitzvah, you ask him mechila again. You hear? Now, I was right. He's a ganav. He lied to everybody. Doesn't matter. You can't embarrass another person. So, yes, if you embarrass someone in public, you got to get him back into that public. If you can, if you can't get the public back together, then you have to ask him, you know, mechila. But if you embarrass a person in public, you have to ask mechila in public. Now, let's go all the way back to my first story. So, Rav Chaim Kainevsky said, I can't give you a bracha for children. Go find someone that's embarrassed in public, and his bracha will help you. Okay, end of story. Then I can, uh, we're going to go walk around looking for someone to get embarrassed in public. So it was over. They forgot about it. On the other side of B'nai Brak, on the other side of B'nai Brak, there was a woman and a man. They were looking at an apartment. They were looking at an apartment, and they, they, they liked it. And they were, they, were, they were talking to the person in the apartment. All of a sudden, this crazy lady walked in. And she says, you can't take this apartment? I want this apartment. So the couple that was looking at the apartment were, uh, asked the owner, well, is she, is she getting the apartment? Then, then we'll back off. He, he says, she's crazy. No, she has no money, whatever. She has an apartment. She's, she's never a crazy person that walks around B'nai Brat screaming at people. She's not normal. Um... You know, she has nothing. To, she can't pay this for this apartment. She has nothing to do with this apartment. Okay, so they rented the apartment. This lady, this crazy lady, used to come by the apartment and saw that this couple rented the apartment. Whatever, and that was it. Two years later, so now you take a story. Haven't been brought. Two years later, the couple that rented the apartment were at a wedding. The woman was on her side, and the chitz, and the man on his side. This crazy lady walks into the wedding and sees the young girl who took the apartment. And in front of everybody, in front of everybody, this crazy lady starts to yell at this young girl. You got nothing! It was my apartment! You st-. No one knows the story, right? They're all looking at this young girl, like this old Nebuch lady is screaming, You stole my apartment! I have nowhere to live! What kind of people are you? And she's mamish, ripping this young girl to part, apart. And this young girl's like, I didn't do anything, right? So she's about to open her mouth. And this is a story that they say over the right. The girl who had no children that went to Reb Chaim was at the same wedding. And she runs over to this young girl and says, I'm begging you, don't answer her. Don't say anything to her. And she's like, what are you talking about? She's making, she's, everyone here is going to think that they know my husband. He's in Kailel. Everyone's going to be talking about us. I never stole anything. I, ha- I have to stand up for myself. She says, I'm begging you. I'm begging you, please, I'm begging you, don't. Just let her keep screaming, just stand there, turn red, whatever it is. I'm begging you, she go, I'll tell you afterwards. She stood there for half an hour. This old lady was embarrassing this woman. She called her every name. She made fun of her. Then she left. And this young lady went over to this, the, the, the woman who had no children, went over to this young lady and said, now I'm asking you a favor. I'm married to my husband for 22 years at that point. I need a bracha that I should have children. She said, all right, for sure. I give you a bracha that I Hashem next year at this time. You should make a bris. Rufchan Kainevsky said over the story, a year later, this was, they were married 21 years, she made a bris. 
the power of a person who's embarrassed publicly and doesn't answer. If Chaim said, I can't give a bracha, but this girl was able to give a bracha. How careful a person has to be with another person's feelings. That's what we just passed. We just passed. You want a Nachamu? You want a Shabbos Nachamu? That's what we just passed. That's what Tishabov is. That's what Tishabov, that's what caused Tishabov. Tishabov caused the judging of another person, the embarrassing, of, the embarrassment of another person, the, the sinas chinam, which means not, not liking someone for no reason. Not that liking someone, not liking someone for a reason is correct, but just like, I don't like him, I don't invite him to the chasana, I don't invite him to the vart. You know, the girl's like, let's, we're going out, but let's not take him. The guys, they're going out to eat. If you ruin, you know, he, he doesn't stop talking. If we're going to invite him to go out to eat with us, you know, the whole night he's not going to stop talking, so he never gets invited. That's what causes the destruction of the Beis Aminash. So now that we came through Tishabov and we're on our way to Elul, we're on our way to Shabbos Nachum, also, what we have to take out of Tishabov is this ability to absorb when someone says something nasty about us and not answer back. That will give you a koyach. Guys, we'll give you a koyach that if someone doesn't have kids for 22 years, you can give him a bracha that he's going to have children. Whole baby. That's crazy. The koyach of a, of, a, of a big rabbi, of a big tzaddik. You have, because some guy embarrassed you at work, right? Someone embarrassed you at work, and you didn't answer. It's amazing. Or in shul, and you didn't answer. And the way to get to that point is to take your task, is to take your anger and challenge it, into feeling bad for the other person. Because if you really look at a person who's yelling at you, it's a nebuch. They're out of control. What kind of life is that? So it's really, you really should feel bad for them. And you should really, imagine what's going to be in Shemayim. Imagine. I'm telling you, okay? That if you, if someone embarrasses you in public, and instead of getting angry and answering back, you say Tehillim for them? Do you know the power of your Tehillim in Shemayim? It's crazy. It's amazing. So, maybe you need to thank them. Like the Chabad Chaim. Thank you for, I mean, don't do that because it'll hit you double. But, but in your mind, say, you know what, I have to, Hashem, I have to thank this guy. He embarrassed me. I didn't answer him. And now I have the power to give brachas. Make sure if that happens to you, you come to my house, give me a bracha, I'll take it. No problem. Anyone embarrass you in public and you don't answer him, come on down to Wallstein's house. I'll take a bracha from you. It's a bigger bracha than you can get from anybody else. Okay. Wow. Wasn't going there. Okay. So I guess we have to end. Um, okay, it's a very important subject. It's a very, very important subject. It's what Hashem wants us to have from, uh, from, from, from Tisha B'av, that we should, we should all get along. He wants his children to all sit at the Shabbos table together. I'm just telling everyone this Tisha B'av. That's, that's what a parent wants. I want all you guys to get along, all the Jews to get along. Religious, not religious, Chassidish, Litzvish, it doesn't make a difference. It's all, it's all Hashem's children. You want, you know, you have children, and I have, can I have five daughters? They're all different. But I need them to get along at the Shabbos. I need them to get along. My, if my, two of my daughters don't get along, I'm done as a father. I'm done. I, I have no, nothing in life if my children don't get along. It's the worst thing that can happen to a parent. So Kishbuk, all he wants is that we should all get along. We should all try to help each other. We should all care about each other. So, um, most of you guys weren't by my share. So maybe I should, all right, I'll, I'll tell you this story very fast. And the share I was going to give you tonight, which is a pretty deep share about Mashiach and other things. We'll wait till next week, Mitzvah Hashem. Um, okay, Mitzvah Hashem. We'll have a good cheer next week. And we'll, we'll talk about it. So I, I want to tell you a talk of story that, that, that's on, this, on the same, same level. And then I'll end, end with a Pesach and share a share. 
So I heard a story, very, very, you know, I always like to tell you stories about kings. Listen to the story, it's a very interesting story. So there was this king, he had two sons. One was bad, one was good. You never have these stories where both of them are good, you know? One was bad, one was good. The bad one, right, he kept making trouble, making trouble, and his, his father, the king, kept punishing him and punishing him and punishing him and punishing him. Finally, the king couldn't take it anymore. Couldn't punish him anymore, he couldn't take it anymore. So the king said to his son, listen, I got to send you into exile. Exile means I got to send you out of the palace. I can't deal. You're breaking the windows. You're messing everybody up. You can't be here anymore. I have to send you away. But I'm your father. I'm your father. I want you. I'll give you one wish. Now, if the kid was smart, his wish would be, don't send me away. Right? I'll give you one wish. But that's not what the kid said. The kid hurt the king even more. He said, Dad, I'll take one wish. You know what my wish is? My wish is you're never, ever to look for me Again, ever. Don't send anyone to follow me. I don't want you to ever look for me. I'm out of here like Vladimir. I'm gone. But don't you look for me. So the father, Nebuchadnezzar, is very hurt. I'm sending you away. I'm hoping that the one request you're going to say is, Dad, don't do that. Please give me another chance. Uh, I'll be a good boy. Instead, the kids say, Yeah, you're sending me away? Don't you ever look for me. But the father made a deal. You have one request. And that was his request. So this kid runs away from the palace as fast as he can. He wants to get away from his father. wants to get away from everybody. He's going to go on his own. He's a troublemaker. And he's running a day, two days. He's running, he's running. One night, on the third day, he's running through the fields. Boom. He falls into this huge hole, like 10 feet deep, a bar, a hole. Falls into the hole, bangs his head, goes totally unconscious. His legs are broken. His hands are broken. He's, in, he's like in really, really bad shape. Totally out. King can't look for him. He made a deal, right? His son's out there somewhere. He doesn't know he's at the bottom of a hole somewhere in, in unconscious. Fine. But the brother, and this is I'm talking to all of us, the brother never made a deal that he won't look for his brother. So he goes to the king and he says, you know, Dad, he's been gone three days. I didn't say I wasn't going to look for him. I'll go find him. So this brother goes and he tracks him. And he comes to this hole during daylight and he looks into the hole and Nebuch, his brother's been there for three days, totally unconscious, blood all over the place, his, his hands are broken, his legs are broken. And he looks down this hole and he happens to have because he didn't know what, happened, what was going to happen to his brother. He brought food and he brought water and he brought medicine. So he looks down and he says, but I can't get down there. But my brother's dying. He's already in that hole for a long time. He's dying. I got to get there. I got to stop the bleeding. I got to get down there. So he closes his eyes and he jumps into the hole. Of course, it's a very big hole. He falls in. He breaks his legs and he breaks his arms. And now he's laying at the bottom of the hole. One brother's unconscious, broken, and the other brother's conscious, broken, with all his medicine and everything all strewn out all over the place. But he's conscious. So he begins to yell. Anyone up there? The two sons of the king were in the hole. Save us, save us, save us. And he's screaming at the top of his lungs. Five hours, six hours, he's screaming at the top of his lungs. His brother's still laying unconscious. He's, he's screaming, he's screaming. Finally, someone comes by, the king, king's son's in the hole. He looks down, he sees these two guys, right, at the bottom of the hole. They're all, one guy's screaming, one guy's out. So, of course, the end of the story is, he runs, he gets Hatzala. You know, Hatzala comes right away, and they take them both out, and they bring them back to the palace. This guy's still out. He's out. 
They're bandaging him. They're waiting for him to wake up. He wakes up in the palace, right? One brother is up the whole time. They fix him up. The other brother wakes up in the palace. What am I doing here? I told you not to look for me. King says, calm down. We weren't looking for you. We were looking for your brother because he was screaming. You were out. We were looking for you. We are looking for your brother. And, and second of all, he, tells, he looks at what happened and he realizes that his brother saved his life. And he realizes what an idiot he's been acting like, you know, the wrong way for all these years. And he becomes a man. He gets his seichel and he becomes a mensch. And this is an amazing muscle. This is an amazing muscle. So I'll tell you what the muscle is about. It's very nice. We're, we're at the shir, and it's very nice that there are a lot of religious Jews. But in percentage-wise of the non-religious Jews, the religious Jews, I don't know, it's like maybe 10% or maybe less. I don't even think it's 10%. The assimilation that is going on out there is crazy. I have a girl in my seminary, a girl in my seminary, who's a ger. Why is she a ger? She comes from a Jewish family. She's a ger, and her two sisters are gerim, because they were brought up in a Jewish family by a father who was Jewish and a mother who was Greek. And they thought, right, they didn't know how it works. Now, they ended up going to Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, and they, that Yeshiva in reform our school. That school always checks out who you are, who's your mother, who's your father, da, 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 da. They checked it out, and they found out that these girls, father was Jewish, mother was Greek, but she was converted. She had conversion papers. Where were the conversion papers from? A reformed temple in Minnesota or Mexico or somewhere out there. I don't know where. And who signed on the bottom of the conversion papers? The woman rabbi. <laughs> it's a true story. She's in my school. So she went there to throw. She didn't know nothing. How should she know anything? And they checked it out. And then she realized their mother was not Jewish. And they went through the regular channels, two and a half years of learning, whatever it is. And they, the three sisters, no, you're Two of them are married, became Gerim. All three of them became Gerim because they grew up as Jewish, thinking they were Jewish kids. Now, this is one story. There are hundreds of thousands, millions of intermarriages. And Rav Shimshin Pigas gets up and he's, he's crying because everything in this in life, and I'm not looking at to scare anyone, maybe I shouldn't even say this. But everything in life, you can do tshuva. A person can do tshuva for anything in life. But a man who marries a non-Jewish woman, this is, this is from the, this is from the Zaya, that a man who, who marries a non-Jewish woman and has a child from that non-Jewish woman loses part of his neshama to the other side. That part of his neshama can never be returned to Hashem. For even if that child that was born from his non-Jewish wife becomes a ger, the neshama that the ger gets has nothing to do with the father. So that means that every Jewish guy out there in America, in the world, and there are hundreds of thousands of them that are marrying non-Jewish women and having children, we, because we are one nation, and we are, a neshama is part of Hashem, we, all of us, are losing a piece that can never, even when Mashiach comes, can never be returned. So Hashem is going to come to us and say, you lived in that generation, why didn't you do something? So, this marshal that I just told you are the reformed Jews and the conservative Jews and the Jewish kids who don't even know they're Jews and they're not interested in tefillin and tzitzes and Shabbos and kosher and the king said to them, 
You got it. You, you, you got to go into exile. It's Golas. We're in Golas. But one wish. One wish. Hoping they would say, I want to stay here. I'll be good. Instead, they're not interested in Judaism. I'm dealing with all the time atheists, Jews that say, I don't believe in God. Jews that are Nebuch, doing the Ta'eva of Hashem. Jews that are assimilating. We're not coming back. We're running, baby. We are running away from God as fast as we can. So, they're running. But we are their brothers. We have to track them and find them. Because they are unconscious. They are laying at the bottom of the hole that we're in. The hole of this gullus. And they are not screaming, help me. Because they're in a coma. So the brother, which is us, who jumped into the same hole, because we're in the same America, the same gullus that they are, we have to scream, Hashem, there are two of your children, one that doesn't want to know you, but one that does know you, that's all of us. And my brother's laying next to me and he's unconscious. Save me. And once you're here to save me, save him. So people came over to me after I said, and they said, oh, you want me to get on a plane? And you want me to fly to Utah? You know, let's go try, check out all the Jews that became Mormons? How about the Himalayas, Rebbe? You want me to go to Himalayas and check out all the Jews that are up there? You know, that are Buddhas? What do you want from me? And the answer is, to daven for them. I want you to daven for them. I want a list. Tonight I set a list. People who need refuas, people who need shaduchim, right? Why don't we have a list of all your cousins that are not religious? That you know their names. Why aren't we davening for them? They are much sicker than the people on the Rafur Shalema list. They need a zivug with God more than all the people on the zivug list. So, that means we don't care. Or the guy that you know from college that is totally an atheist, and you're like, what's your Hebrew name? And he's like, why? Just, you know, get your blessing. He'll give it to you. So all of a sudden you have a name during Shemona Esrei of this Jewish kid who's laying at the bottom of the pit, and he's a coma, right? He's an atheist, and he's anti-everything, and he's the kid that told Hashem, don't come after me, but you're his brother. So get his Hebrew name, and when you down in Shemona Esrei, and you say, say, yeah, Michael, the son of whatever her name is, whatever, whatever it is. And when you'd say Shira Malas at the end of the day, for all the Israeli soldiers, for all the sick people, why aren't we saying to heal him for all the Jews that are assimilating? And for that, we're going to have to pay. For that, we're going to have to pay. So I'm not telling you to become a Kiru professional, you know, and to go out to Utah. You don't have to go out to Utah. Get your cousins' names. Get the side of your family, if there is such a side, that's not religious. The guys that you know that went off the derech and they're off the deep end, just get their Hebrew names. Tell them you're getting them a bracha, whatever it is, and daven for them. And when Hashem sees that you're screaming, right, for, the, for your brother, then Hashem will bring him home, with us home, and that's the coming of Mashiach, and give us both the refuah shalema, and... Build the base Hamikdash. Now that's a great way to end, but I'm not ending. <laughs> I'm just going to end with one more pasuk that I want to end in Shir Hashirim, because we're going into Shabbos Nachamu. Shir Hashirim. This is really going to be my share next week, but I just want to say one word about it. In Parak Hay, it was very sad. In Parak Hay begins Bosi Ligani. Hashem says, 
Um, I came to your base, Hamigdash. Now Hashem calls us all kinds of beautiful names. Achaisi. God calls us his sister, my sister, Kala, you know, my bride. And Hashem said, I came to the base of Hamigdash and I brought with me Bissamim and Yayin and all kinds of things. And I want to talk to my, to the Jews, right? And we're, we're sleeping, right? We're sleeping. And we say, Pasik Bays, I need, I need Yashena. I'm sleeping. Believe me, air, but my heart is open. Kol doidi doifek, my loved one is banging on my door. And Hashem is saying, Pischuli, to all of us guys, God is saying, He's banging on the, on the door of your soul, and God is saying, Pischuli, open the door for me. Now, who is asking me to open the door? When the door knocks, what's the first thing you guys say? Excellent. For all those who are sleeping, when somebody knocks, what do you say? Hello. Who's there? Now come in. You don't know who it is. Somebody knocks. The question is, who's there? So, Hashem is knocking on the door. Right? So, we ask who's there. You know what Hashem answers? Listen carefully. Hashem says, Pischuli, open the door for me. Who am I? Achosi. He says to us, my sister, Raiosi, my love, Yonasi, my dove, Tamasi, my perfection. Now, someone talks to you like that way, you open the door, right? My sister, my love, my Yona, my dove, my perfection, right? Open the door. Shem wants to come into everybody's heart in this room. He wants to come into your heart, he wants to come into your soul, he wants to talk to you. So Shlomo Melech is talking, he's saying, and God's not saying like, you know, who's there? God. Oh, scary. You're not coming into my heart, right? Hashem's saying, your love, your sister, you're perfect. You know, he's giving us all these compliments and he, he just wants to come in. So what do we answer? What do we answer? Listen to this. Yeah? <laughs> this makes sense. Listen to what we answer. So we say, sorry, poshatitias kutanti. I'm undressed. I'm not dressed anymore. I'm in my pajamas. Hashem's knocking on the door. We're answering him. Sorry, I'm in pajamas. How do you expect me to get dressed now? I'm under the covers, man. God, I'm sleeping. My soul is sleeping. Very nice, he knocked on my door. But right now, right, like tonight, you want me to change? You don't want me to do all the things I did wrong? Not tonight, I'm, I'm already in pajamas. I'm already in my bed. This is, this is a chair of shirim. This is not my story, right? Then we go, we, we insult him again. Rachatsti, I took a shower already. I'm out of the shower, right? I can't get dirty. I'm not coming out. As Ragli fame. How do you expect me to get my feet dirty? So we're telling Hashem, you stay at the door. You hear this? You stay at the door because I'm in my PJs and I took my shower and I'm under the blanket. Have a nice life. In other words, what, what Shalom is saying is that many times Hashem comes to us, change, do something else. And we're like, not now. Not now. I'm very happy right now. I just finished my business. I just finished eating. Wait, tomorrow. When, when I get a chance. Okay. Okay. So what happens? No, you did. So we're sleeping. We go to sleep. All of a sudden, you wake up. You need a shidduch. Somebody needs a full shalema. Business isn't going good. Oh, uh-huh. time to go to shul. I haven't been there in four weeks. Oh, uh-huh. I got to go to shul because today I have a big meal. Tonight is a big date. Tonight I'm going to propose. I, I have to go to shul this morning. Uh, no, right. So you wake up. Shalom Aleichem. And you finally decide, 
after 12 hours of sleep. Now I'm going to open the door for you, Hashem. Now I'm ready. So he says, Kapti, Ani, I got up, to open the door for my loved one. Now I got up, I'm ready for you, Hashem. And all that's left, Hashem's not there anymore. Right? All that's left, he says, is I put my hand on the door, and the same, this is a be- this is very deep, this is Kaddish Kedashim, there's a lot of Kabbalah on this, that the door that Hashem's hand was on, when he held the other side of the door, right, because he wanted to come in, so when I open the door, I touch that knob, and I feel the essence, the sense that Hashem was there, the smell that Hashem was there. I was just telling the boys that my father, Allah Shalom, so when he died 10 years ago, he gave me his Rabbeinu Tom's tillin. I mean, I took his Rabbeinu Tom's tillin. I didn't wear Rabbeinu Tom's tillin. I took his tillin. And my father was an old-timer, and he used to always wear cologne. And he always wore the same cologne. Old Spice. That was the only thing they had in those days. Old Spice. A white bottle with the ship, with the answer my stuff. So my father's tillin, his Rabbeinu Tom's, smelled from Old Spice. So every time I kiss his tillin, I smell that smell. It didn't go away. It's in his chillin', right? And that brings me back to memories that, that I had a father. And this is what he smelled like. And then one day, when, when this Chiesa makes him, I'll have him back. So every time I put on those chillin' or Rabbeinu Tom's, I smell my father. I forget about it. I have his talismans, which mamish smell from, from him, and that, that's his smell, whatever. And, and you know, and sometimes, you know, I don't want to get into the whole word, but you know, sometimes never a person's missing and not there anymore. So they, they smell his clothing to remember, you know, what that person smelled like. I remember my father because that was his smell, you know, whatever it was. And, 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 and it's a very deep thing because what's happening here in Shirashirim is that Hashem's not there. When you decide to open the door, right? Even though the song is Hashem is everywhere. But when you decide to open the door, not always, you know, you're going to get your answer on the spot. But you can't get depressed because you know that there was a time because you smell the door and you realize that Hashem was at my door. And if He was at my door, I'm not an atheist. It means I know He's here. If I know He's here, so He's not at my door right now, He'll come back. So you don't get depressed. So now, this guy's getting crazy because he goes to the door, right? And Hashem's not there. Because He looks for him. But he doesn't find him. I'm calling to Hashem. He's not answering. Panic. So you go running out to the game. And you start looking for God in the wrong places. In all the wrong places. In the movie theaters, wherever you're running to find your fulfillment. Hashem came to fulfill you. You weren't there. Now, you feel unfulfilled. You're a Jew. And you don't have Hashem in your soul. So you're unfulfilled. So you start doing, I don't have to go into all the things that a person does to get fulfilled. And you start running around. And you start looking for Hashem in all the wrong places. Says Says Shlomo Melech, what happens to you? Matsuni Hashem in my ear. So who finds you? You're running around the city looking for God. Who finds you? All the Gayim. All the idol worshippers. All the bad people. Because you're running around and you're looking for stuff. You're looking to f- feel fulfilled. So all the dealers, whatever they're dealing, whatever Avera they're dealing, they're all waiting for you. Hikuni, they hit you. Pitsauni, they make you bleed. They make you do a virus because you're running around and you can't find the shed. Because when you had that urge to change, eh, I'm going back to bed. I can't. I'm not, I'm not getting out of my pajamas. So listen. So Shlomo Melech, and this is how I'm ending, turns around and he says the following. He says, "When you find God, Hishpati Eschem Benoit Yishalayim, I swear, I make you swear, the daughters of Yishalayim doesn't mean female, it means us too. 
Im Timsu is Daidi. If you find him, we're all looking for God. If you find him, Matakidola, I want to tell you what I want you to tell him. Now, if I was to tell any of you here, you have one second to talk to God. I can hook it up. One second, pay, I'll pay, you're going to talk to him. You write down on a piece of paper what you would say. I'm sorry. Could you stop cancer? I need a shidduch. Uh, I need a parnasa. You think about what you would tell God. What you would tell him. You have one second with him. Let me tell you what Shlomo HaMelech said. Shlomo HaMelech said, when you meet Hashem, tell him one thing. Don't tell him about the Holocaust. Don't tell him about all the kids with cancer. Don't tell him about the Spanish Inquisition. Don't tell him about the Twin Towers. And don't tell him about the Yankees. Tell him one thing. Shecholas Ahava Ani. Tell God that I'm sick in love with Him. That's it. Don't tell Him anything else. If you find Him, tell Him that this nation of Klai Yisrael, which is one, don't listen to anybody what they say. If we find Him, tell Hashem we love Him. We need Him. We miss Him. And if we tell Hashem that's all, that we're sick. You know why we're sick? Because we love you. That's why we're sick. And our Baruch Hu, if that's what we tell Him, and he'll definitely bring us to Rafur Shalema. And Rafur Shalema will be that we see him again, and that it's not just one second with him. And the Nechama of Shabbos Nachama will be that we sat Sunday on the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, and those who cried about the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, this Shabbos Nachama, Bezrat Hashem, will be able to be in Eretz Yisrael, celebrating the building of the Beis HaMikdash. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.